Real News. Welcome everyone to the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is November 13th, 2019. For some reason, I'm thinking we're going to have a lot going on today. Um, lots to talk about and um, lots to be observant about. Observation is key. We have a lot of things coming out to the surface that you wouldn't even think would be discussed, put out or anything. Now, I want to demonstrate to all of you right now who are listening to the Tory Sess Show, who have been following my journey through election fraud from 2016 or 2018, because I've been saying it, and I played the clip yesterday, that we will be going to paper ballots and we will be using our National Guard, our People who have taken the oath and believe in a, a true uh, democratic republic to oversee it. And you're going to see how that plays out. I told you this last year yesterday, right? And here's the thing. Today, obviously, um, NBC had to put out disinformation because disinformation is so real. Like I've been saying that, haven't I? How many times have I said that they congest the news everywhere from the right and the left, the shills and the reels, right? <laughs> and the bots, the DARPA bots, the, the, the black DARPA bots that are still lingering. I like to push, uh, all these narratives. Now I'm going to play a short clip and I'm going to stop it, but I want you to listen to it. Listen to the disinformation for all of you that are Tory says listeners and have been following this. Listen to what he says, and then we can all laugh together as to why, <laughs> how blatant it is. The New York Times reporting that last week's election in Kentucky could be a hint of things to come for all of us in 2020. According to the paper, quote, a few hours after polls closed in Kentucky last Tuesday, a Twitter user posted a message to his 19 followers saying he had just shredded a box of Republican mail-in ballots. Okay, so Nick Corasaniti and Matthew Rosenberg need to get a life. No one, no one, and I repeat, no one, started any allegations and ran with it because some, you know, dude decided to do it. Actually, someone, a lot of people DM'd it to me and I'm like, yeah, you know, could be just someone looking for attention, you know, whatever. No one's that stupid, but hey, they could be. But that's not why it triggered it. I'll tell you what happened. So what triggered it was my tweet on Thursday that got over 2,000 shares instantly overnight. Um, that day I had a migraine. That afternoon when I realized that I was put back onto the voter roll in Kentucky and so was my non-U.S. citizen husband. And that's what triggered it. Then the following morning, me getting the answers from the state themselves triggered it. But see, they did their homework, right? They investigated it. They saw that, hey, we can't really talk about that because then that's admitting that we've got non-U.S. citizens on the voter roll. That means it'll work against us. So Tory is safe from being picked apart by NBC because, hey, you're talking about this one Twitter user that got what, how many shares? All right, people were sharing it because people see things and they just retweet 
But what was the real trigger? It was the fact that they put 175,000 people resurrecting them back to vote. It was the fact that they put non-U.S. citizens uh, back on the voter roll and designated them as Democrats eligible to vote. So that was the trigger. But listen to what they tell you. It wasn't true, but that seldom matters on social media anymore. The Times reports the account does not appear to be from Kentucky. For starters, Louisville was misspelled. Twitter has uh, So I've lived in Kentucky for like four years. I still don't spell Louisville correctly, so it's okay. And suspended that account. Yet the damage has been done and the false claim is still spreading on its own tonight. Quote, Hyperpartisan conservatives and trolls were pushing out a screenshot of the message, boosted by what appeared to be a network of bots and providing early grist for allegations of electoral theft in Kentucky. Now, I just wanted to make mention, he said that the account has been banned off of Twitter. Why? So the guy was trolling and having fun and put it out there just to instigate people and just to, you know, that's what the left does. They're all about tolerance, but they like to wiggle wiggle. I mean, hey. I'm the first one to do that, but I usually do it to people like Hillary Clinton, who's like, I'm in dire pressure to run, you know, stuff like that. I don't just say things, you know, if they put out things, I'm like, impeach this. Here's a picture. You know, we all do it. So why would you ban them? Because they put that out. Mm -hmm. Uh, See how it works. See how they fuel it. It's as almost as if they anticipated my tweet or did that tweet come after my tweet? did because how do you make it sound stupid how do you make the allegations oh wait no factual statements that i made sound body by having something like this happen now listen to what they're telling you high profile right-wing figures were soon tweeting out their own conspiracy theories so I guess Millie Weaver and myself were right high profile. I'm not high profile, but okay. Right wing figures were soon tweeting out their own conspiracy theories about the election being stolen. Messages that were in turn pushed by even more trolls. So everybody out there, you're a troll. Everybody out there pushing the truth is a troll. Theories about the election being stolen. Messages that were in turn pushed by even more trolls and bots. And the Bevan campaign, the losing campaign of the incumbent governor, began talking about irregularities in the vote without offering any specifics or evidence. So you're supposed to talk about specifics and evidence before you look at all the specifics and evidence. Because these people came together over the weekend. These people came together Saturday and Sunday while me uh, and Millie were being contacted by people saying, hey, we just landed in Kentucky. We want to talk to you. Because we also got whistleblower evidence. But apparently... The governor was supposed to come out and just say, oh, this irregularity, that without even looking at it, right? The one thing he did have was my case, which was ironclad. Because if it wasn't, they would have picked it apart. This is how disinformation works, okay? Did you see? That tweet came out after mine, because mine was done on Thursday evening, right? We're talking Thursday evening, mine came out. 
Okay? And then that, you know, it's just crazy, you guys. Come on. Let's be honest. This is how disinformation works. But you know why? Because Tori may have been right. We are not going to be doing these e-things. Because today at 2 p.m., there's going to be a live press conference with the governor. And Millie Weaver is going to be right there with the rest of the forensics teams, uh, the the members of the forensic team that have been working on We've got investigators, lawyers, former prosecutors. You, you name it, they're there. And we've been working with them from the beginning, giving them what we have, connecting the dots from things that I had from elections in Texas, North Dakota, Virginia, Tennessee, Illinois. I've been collecting all this stuff throughout the time, paying attention to patterns. And you know what? I'll tell you something that a lot of people don't know. So in 2016, when I had uh, my concerns with the voting and everything, I had contacted candidates. Um, I have even spoken with Matt uh, Bevin's office. Not very nice, right? So you wouldn't say that I have a connection with Matt Bevin. But one thing that he is is a square shooting guy that looks after the state of Kentucky. Remember, it's the only state that has school tax. Yet the teachers are complaining, whatever. So... Here we have someone that I have no relation to, uh, don't particularly like as a person because I haven't hung out with them enough to say I haven't hung out with them at all, actually, to have an opinion, but I like their work. Okay? I have to say that I do like what he's done with Kentucky. Now, um, it's pretty odd that this is all bots, but this is what MSNBC did yesterday preemptively for today because today the stuff that are going to be laid out in the press conference and a video uh, that Millie has been putting together uh, so we can simplify so you can understand how foreign interference works. Ah, And I've talked about foreign interference before through big league politics where I was saying, yo, the FBI is contracting with French companies, but you don't know if those French companies are contracting with other people. Turns out a lot of these companies, software companies that are foreign subcontract and they subcontract to hostile nations, to hostile nations of America. Like, for example, I had evidence, hard evidence that I put in that one article over a year ago that FBI face services was contracting with Safra, a software company, and that company had then further subcontracted without telling the FBI, because they don't have to according to EU law, to buy Russian code and have Russians work on it. Yet Russia was the problem. Like, you see where I'm getting at with this? So listen to the rest of this little report so you can see just how terrified they are. And um, just how they put disinformation out. So they won't talk about the registration. But, you know, there's a press conference today. And it would look really, really bad if the governor comes out with a statement and the local media is not there. The Times says there's no evidence of any actual irregularities in the voting. Oh. Republican Governor Matt Bevan hmm. there on the right still has not conceded to Democrat Andy Bashir. But today, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who we quickly add is from Kentucky, told reporters Bevan came up short and barring some dramatic reversal. Barring some dramatic reversal, we will have a new governor. Let me tell you something. First of all, 
Who? The New York Times. Fake, failing, New York Times, begging for subscribers, says there's no there there. Well, what about mine? You can't dispute that. I got paper trail, man. I got three years of paper trail, phone calls. I could pull up phone records where I was talking to them. What? No irregularity? So you're just saying it just happened to me. So there's not, you know, from all those thousands of student immigrants that come, all those thousands of student nurses, doctors, vets, pharmacists that come, none of them that have been inactive were reactivated by accident. Maybe a ballot was signed. Because right after the press conference, um, Haley Kennington, uh, who works with me at loomer.com, obviously because my husband is involved in the whole situation, it looks kind of dumb to, to write an article myself. And who would I trust more than anyone? Haley. She does a great job writing. So she wrote this article where she kind of just outlines the voter fraud, but we have an exclusive video of a Kentucky young man from Kentucky who's in college, and you heard Erica Callahan tell you that when she was on air two days ago, that was in college in Florida, and someone had dropped a ballot in his name. Not only that, the clerk told his mom, oh, yeah, he must have shown the ID because it says that we checked the ID. So how did someone show his ID when his ID is with him in Florida, and he was in classes and swim practice as an athlete, Throughout the whole day. Like, did he, like, we can't find records. Would he lie? There's an affidavit and we have the exclusive video coming to you in that article right after the press conference. Uh, Millie Weaver will be streaming the live press conference on her YouTube channel. I will share that the minute it goes live. It goes live at the end of my show. So I want you guys to listen to their preemptive tactics and how fearful they are, because this is only the beginning. It appears Kentucky is getting a new governor. Well, here with more on election disinformation, Clint Watts, a former FBI special agent, a distinguished research fellow at the Foreign Policy Research Institute, author of Messing with the Enemy, Surviving in a Social Media World of Hackers, Terrorists, Russians, and fake news, exactly what we've been talking about here in this segment. I have in front of me this tweet in question. I don't know why I want to read it in a Russian accent, but it says, just shredded a box of Republican mail-in ballots. Bye-bye, Bevan. Um, what is going on here? What do people look for along these lines? And what's the alarm bell for 2020? I think the alarm bell for 2020 as well is the Russians that were the forerunners in 2016. It will be Americans that do this to other Americans in 2020. No barrier to entry, I guess. There's no barrier to entry. We've seen a proliferation of disinformation on social media. Not Misinformation. Well, where's the real information, you clowns? Where's the real one? The one that you bury? The Epstein stories you kill? Hmm? The murders, the rapes, the child trafficking, the human trafficking. You're the ones that had Matt Lauer can suck it with his rape button under his desk. How dare they tell us, guys, we're the news. They're not. And they're upset that you guys are listening to Millie Weaver. You guys are listening to some, 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 some person like me. They're upset that they're listening to people we follow and it's not them. Because you know what? When it comes down to it, a brand's not investing it with you, bozo, when you can't get the people to invest their time and watch you. Listen to how salty they are. 
Russia will be one of many. And the ones with the most technology and the most money really come down to political campaigns, political supporters, activists. They're really going to blow this out. And I think what you're seeing with a lot of these social bots, this computational propaganda, is that anybody can rent these on the dark web. They can make them. They can deploy them. And they can have a dramatic effect just with one tweet, perfectly timed on the right topic in the right day. If you have 19 followers, speaking of collusion, doesn't this kind of require you to have gamed out one of those people to see it like it, send it on its way? Usually. And what it, what it comes down to is when you have key influencers in an audience that are looking for a reason to justify the outcome they want, in this case, that it's a Bevin supporter or a Bevin outcome or election fraud or voters uh, election. Okay, so Darknet. I just want to point to the fact that they're using the number 19. <laughs> One and nine. Damn, that's their SOS call. Help. It's short of 911, isn't it? That's their call. Yeah, you better 911 because all of us are coming for you. We're the news. It's over. You're done. Rig voter fraud. They will amplify that. And once it's amplified just once, it could be someone with five followers. It could be one follower. That will blow up and it will take on its own viral effect. I have asked our bosses to make sure you are in the studio for election night 2020 because I fear so much of the plot line is going to be exactly in your area of expertise. We could be talking about 50 state elections with people alleging on social media there have been irregularities with the vote in New Mexico, in New Hampshire, Vermont, and so on. Yeah, talk about the states that we're not looking at, right? So this is their preemptive thing. They're like, hey, we're going to be, you know, having you here because you need to be hired by our station to be our guy, right? Be our guy so that way we can know what's going on. You'll be our guy to tell everyone, you know, how this can happen. You'll be our guy to disinform the, the the sheeple that may still be watching us as to how all of these are lies. But guess what, guys? We just blew that up. There will be no e-voting. When your e-voting isn't even conducted in the United States of America, yeah, guys, that's what we figured. Yes. Can you believe it that the Kentucky elections that were tallying the votes, sending them across the pond in the in the European Union, processing and then kicking back? Wait till you see the full report like I'm telling you. And look, you know, I remember when me and Laura were kind of just we worked together, you know, a big league. We would talk every now and then, uh, you know, obviously right now I consider her like a sister, even though she's like way younger than me. I still consider her like my sister. Um, it wasn't until, you know, after she was removed from Twitter, uh, that we really got close. I could tell you one thing. I remember when she was breaking the Vegas story and she was doing it in her pajamas from the other side of the United States of America and knew more than the police officers, the reporters and all the other supposed investigators in the vicinity. Huh? And look at this. Who cracks open the Kentucky fraud? Millie Weaver, not in Kentucky, and Little Tory, not from, not in Kentucky either. So this is how it happens. Real journalism from real people that really love the United States of America. And a lot of people, I got emails from a lot of people saying, oh, why did you do this? You know, let me tell you something. 
the success that you can have as a person is how willing you are to release it to someone else's hands. Even if they are the one there, success is for everyone, right? So we should always look at that. Now, Having said that, I'm going to close that election fraud thing off. I already know what happened there. No need to talk about that anymore. But I will mention, I will mention that what we saw in Kentucky was exactly what we saw in Venezuela years ago when, and, and listen to this, and I quote, President Nicolas Maduro criticized the accuracy of a story that was reported that only 3.7 million people had voted. According to the internal electoral council documents, they found that 8.1 million ballots were cast. That's like 4 million more people than they had voting. And kind of like Kentucky, they had more people at the state reg, you know, ballots than people actually voting. Mm-hmm. And so what? That's exactly it. The Democrats want to turn the United States of America into Venezuela. Let's just leave it there. Now, let's move along. Now, before we get into uh, the whole testimony, you have to think, like, what is really going on? Okay? How many times have I told you about geo-positioning of nations? We're talking Turkey. We're talking Ukraine. Didn't I talk about energy in the Ukraine in my latest articles on Lumerd? And I also talked about it on Tory Says. What did I say the Ukraine was replacing? Iran. Energy. We had John Kerry and Joe Biden together in this Burisma deal before his son was even offered the job. Pelosi's kid. Romney. Tag. Tag Romney. Tag Romney. Not only involved in the Ukraine, guys, but he's also involved in this election fraud. Wait, okay, so I can't go into the election fraud thing much, but what I could tell you is, is that the software that ships all those ballots across the ocean, because, you know, that's a software company that the state of Kentucky chose to use, right, is was actually funded by Tag Romney. Um, and Mitt Romney's finance manager, who were also backed by his wife, Anne and Mitt. I'm just saying, like, oh, it's the same people popping up. Can't you see the cabal? This is how it works. That's what the mafia is like. They pop up everywhere. You go to the store, mobster. You go to the train, mobster. You go on a plane, mobster. These people are everywhere across the planet. How many times have I said... It's all about location, 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 and more so not only just location, but energy. I talked about nuclear energy. I brought it to your attention, and I also told you about the president's first phone call. I also pointed out how are we investigating a political opponent when Joe Biden hadn't officially announced he was running. That makes absolutely zero sense. How is this happening? I mean, come on, man. George Soros, Lord Malak from the crown. We got tons of these players. Ring, ring, ring. Let's get this going. Well, you can't stop it. And this is why they didn't even touch my story with a 10-foot pole. They know better. The one thing that I've told you from the first day that I came on air for my own show, but I've talked about it on Scott Adams show. I've talked about it on NPR and others. 
is that I deal in string theory, in string theory that deals with nodes. And I've always told you that the only thing that you have to treat like an absolute node is what? Humans. Because humans have something called free will. Free will because they're free innately. And that is something you cannot calculate. That is something that you cannot fight. You have both that primordial sin, right? And good. The yin and the yang. How do you calculate that? When something like a simple soup in the air that goes through their nostrils or passing by a window with an apple pie can trigger a memory and make them change their disposition immediately. (laughs) But what you can't do is change the collective. Remember when I was talking about Oprah, how she had those experiments with all these people praying at the same time? Remember how I told you the reason our president won, and I say it again and again and again, is because we had an international prayer chain. I've said that. And you don't have to be religious to join on these. You just have to believe that you're in sync at that same very moment with millions of people across the planet hoping for change. And that is exactly what we got. They can't stop this. They can't. Look at NBC mitigating. Boy, you can't stop this. This is a snowball. That's the way it goes. I'll see you guys in just a bit. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So we covered a few things, and we revisit. We are revisiting today. I can't even speak, and it's probably because I've done that thing. Have you? Have you guys ever tried this? This um sleep pattern where it's called like intermittent napping. Totally not good. I can't wait for the weekend so I can stop this because now I've booked project appointments. <laughs> That are really cutting into my sleep schedule and I can't pronounce things today. So I want to revisit the fact that we've talked about this a lot about location, location, location. And I've expressed to you how important Turkey is, not because of what they have, but because of what's been built and invested in them, which is this uh, central network where they have the keys to the kingdom for power. And we all know if you actually go to torysays.com, it's my most recent Ukraine articles where I tell you how this Burisma thing came to be. And I'm going to repeat it again for those of you that don't know and are now tuning in. In late February, okay, of 2014, the owner of Burisma was in trouble. He was caught money laundering $35 million and he was under investigation by the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland. Obviously, when you're money laundering $35 million, you have contacts. He gets together with John Kerry and Joe Biden's like, yo, let's split this stuff. Um, let's work something out and I can help you. I can push this. This is what we're going to do. We're going to get Luchenko in. This is the plan. And about a week later, uh, his son, Joe Biden, gets an offer to join Burisma. Now, this is the prelude that no one talks about. Everyone's like, oh, you know, he's like, he's just his son. It's no big deal. Yes, it is. 
because they split money on third. They lined their pockets with nuclear energy. Again, I'm going to refer to Rick Perry being resigned after, uh, you know, setting up that July 25th phone call, which could be just his ticket out to not get in trouble, right? But quid pro Joe goes back, okay? It's not just that. That's what I'm trying to explain. Quid pro Joe started like that. So what happened was after this uh, uh, job offer came from uh, the guy's name, just so you know, is Mikola Sholevsky, right? He was the actual owner of Verisma. So what happened was he made the offer to Hunter Biden. As long as we can get out of this, uh, you know, uh, we can split the profits of Burisma. Now, Shalevsky was the former eco-minister, right, um, of the Ukraine, owner of Burisma. And here's the deal. Alexander Kwasniewski, Alan Apter, Devin Archer, and Hunter Biden all accepted these new offers as new board members on May 12, 2014. Coincidentally, <laughs> coincidentally, there was a, uh, you know, you believe in coincidences. I mean, sometimes we have to like put out some BS information so we can distract the idiots too, because it's kind of necessary, isn't it? <laughs> it's so awesome. So the Latvian authorities had found these two shell companies, uh, back in 20, I would say, if I remember correctly, it's late 2017, 2017. And they were investigating them because a lot of money was being moved. So they found these two shell companies where all four new members of Burisma were partners of. Just listen. So Hunter Biden, Alan Apter, Devin Archer, Alexander Kwanienski, Kwanienski were all members of these two shell groups. And between them, they got like $16.5 million. <laughs> so it's not like 60 grand a month too. So these were the shell companies used to funnel back money. Like this is where you got him with his hand in the cookie jar. Like his hand is literally in the cookie jar and you found him. So again, how is it that that's not the way it goes? How is it that, you know, oh, you know, we were investigating that President Trump's investigating Joe Biden and Hunter Biden because he's an opponent. He's not even, you know, he's not even competition. So here we go again. Back to this. How did the investigation start? Well, it happened because of the Latvian authorities that reached out to the Ukraine and then the Ukraine DOJ of the Ukraine, the prosecutor general, got in touch with the U.S. DOJ. And this is before stupid Yovanovitch, the most corrupt woman. I hope that money was worth it, Marie, because I don't know if you could take it to where you're going, Uh, you know. They got in contact and said, yo, we got this. So in 2018, some prosecutors arrive. And while the prosecutors are there, we needed to distract. So what do we do? We bring in Giuliani. Nothing like a New Yorker that represents the president of the United States sitting at the local bar, chatting up with the peeps and asking questions and drawing them near. This is what you do, man. This is exactly what you do. Like, this is like the old, the old hey, look at me. It's Rudy. 
come here while everybody else is doing their job. <laughs> and you know I can laugh about it now because it's over. They're stuck. Uh, they're stuck. So that's what happened with the Ukraine. And here's what they're hiding in the Ukraine, which is really serious. And <clears throat> earlier before the show, I was listening to some parts of the um, – sorry. Can't even say the word testimony. I would say storytelling that Bill Taylor put up. And I wanted to, like, go through the screen and be like, ah, quiet. Like, he's giving commands of, yeah, you know, the Russian, Russia and China. And, you know, they're not doing anything. And we need to push back on Russia for violating these rules that are harming the European Union and other nations. They're not America first. So what he needs to do is shut up. He needs to be removed, right? And it'll look bad if you remove him because he's uh, storytelling, right? AKA for the Democrats, it means testifying. There we go, changing definitions again. So he's sitting there telling them as an ambassador, acting ambassador, oh yeah, we need to go after them hard because they're messing with our buddies. Uh, the European Union, if you ask me, if you ask me, aside from China being the highest threat, I would say the European Union is number two in the world. And I don't care what anybody says. No Tory is Russia. No Tory is Venezuela. Look, Venezuela is a threat, but our president clocked it real early. I told you about Venezuela before you knew, even Senate knew about Venezuela. I mean, they don't even pay attention, man. They probably knew because they weren't allowed to take their money out. Because they had it, they had it stored in all this gold and oil in Venezuela. And one day, you could picture Pelosi going to Starbucks, and they'll be like, "Card declined." What do you mean declined? Oh, there's a new executive order saying Pelosi, you got bank accounts that get money from Venezuela. That bank account is now shut down and property of the United States of America. That's exactly what happened, by the way. So I just wanted to say, Haley Kennington sent me a message. This is a hiatus. Matt Bevin, the governor of Kentucky, just tweeted out that um, uh, for those interested in the integrity of the election process in Kentucky and in America, which should be all of us, this looks like an event worth attending. I plan to be in attendance. Ooh, I can say, okay, so this is the first. I've done a lot of great things in my life. And I have to say, way more work and way more interesting. It's kind of like Superman. You know how he saves the world and nobody knows he did it. It's like, you know, <laughs> you do all this. So it's not even as big as it, but I'm actually really excited about this because it's personal to me. So I just wanted to say that patting my own self on my back right here um, because I, three years I've been shouting about it and talking about it. And it's like, oh my gosh. So he put down that they're going to be putting out affidavits from Jefferson County family who discovered signature of their son being forged, tabulated results from two counties conflicting the total number of votes. Voting data from Kentucky County reflecting a, a dramatically different voting pattern in the governor's race between votes and absentee ballots. That's the key. Uh, video evidence and electronic both manipulation of the governor's race as broadcast on cable news network CNN on election night and other information as we vote and guess what they'll be like are you an american are you a commie you can't vote <laughs> i would love that question to come back you guys are you a communist sorry you can't vote according to u.s law you shouldn't even be in this country <laughs> so anyway i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave that for a second that was bad i'm bad 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 girl um so apparently i have been disconnected off of the radio waves but i'm back on 
Um, so I think I was talking to myself for a bit. That's okay. Um, I have a really great guy from out west that takes my audio and makes it more pleasant to the ears so that I can upload. Um, cause I shriek sometimes, especially when I get a, gosh, I got excited right now and they cut me off. Are you for real? That's horrible. That's super horrible. That's super sad. You guys, it's very bad. All right. So getting back to the Ukraine, I wonder, did you guys hear anything about the Ukraine? Hold on. Let me check my Twitter. Someone will tell me where I left off because I was disconnected because I'm pretty sure someone sent me. Yeah, I did get messages. Hold on. Uh, uh, muted clown show listening to this show. Yeah, you should. Okay, hold on. Let me see. Um, oh, wow. Yep. Okay. So someone said that I was disconnected. Okay. So everybody, uh, I don't know where I left off. If someone could tell me where I left off so I don't repeat myself. Um, cause then the people get bored when I, you know, they listen to it and I'm repeating myself. Um, maybe I'll just do a quick recap. Uh, not about the governor. I'll do that later at the end again, but Burisma, Ukraine, it happened a long time ago and we totally, we totally, um, tricked them. While they thought Giuliani was there having his nice neat whiskey, he likes his neat whiskey, he lifts his pinky when he drinks, you know, uh, and hanging out and asking questions for his client, you know, <laughs> in the background, we had tons of prosecutors looking around. We had tons of prosecutors uh, getting all this evidence before Joe Biden said that he was running for president. So this is what it is. Uh, this is how it goes. I mean, I'm just saying, uh, you know, <laughs> so I, I, I'm just saying that right now people need to know that they have no, oh, they were cutting me off about the governor. You know what? Then that means I need to say it again. Don't cut me off again. Okay. Okay. But I'm just going to say Burisma started way back. I told you guys that um, Durham was placed way before Bar. I reported that to you. We talked about it last year, right? During Baker's hearing, and, you know, this is about to go down, man, because you know what I couldn't believe that the president did? And I guess today is a fun, and I'm really smiling and happy because this is a good day for America. The good guys just won a real big notch with this election fraud, you guys. But I just want, you know, you'd be thinking I'd be wearing black and crying about this impeachment clown show. Like, it means nothing. We're going to talk about it in the second hour. But it means absolutely nothing. It is ridiculous. Because what we have right now is, um, you know... um we have, uh, the, 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 the president of Turkey coming to town. Well, he's here and we're going to talk about that too. And then tomorrow we have the secretary general of NATO. Boy, are things happening? Are things happening? You know, they can't stop what's coming. And I am so excited because it's all coming down. It's, I've been talking to you for over a year telling you the same exact stuff we're talking about today, except for Matt Bevan. He was new, but we did talk about election fraud a lot of times, actually, throughout the year. It was always in front of you, always. 
And it's like, how many times is it coincidence? You know, um, some people actually one person, Scott and other people called me too and texted me. Um, Hey, uh, looks like shift doesn't know who the whistleblower is. And it's like, okay, we'll talk about that. (laughs) But for now, let me talk about the governor since whoever is kicking me off air and DDoSing me, um, doesn't want to, uh, today's, uh, press conference in Kentucky will be huge. It is going to happen at the state Capitol. Again, they disconnected me. I just saw it guys live. I saw the disconnection. Okay. So state Capitol in front of the AG's office. Hoorah. (laughs) That's going to be fun. And the uh, governor tweeted, for those interested in the integrity of the election process in Kentucky and in America, because like I said, we determined, I found the method. Remember, it was all about the method. How many times have I said it? If you ever, ever, if you're one of those young people that listen to me in class, because I have a couple high school students um, and actually a middle schooler, aside from my daughter, who doesn't listen to me anymore because she keeps getting in trouble because she knows the faces I make. So she's kind of like imagining them. But anyway, that are listening, right? to me all this time. I'm just saying this is how, Oh my gosh, why am I so distracted? Because I'm trying to fight to keep my connection on. I'm sorry guys. All right. What we found was the method. And I've said this again and again, if you ever go into uh, working for an agency, an intelligence agency, and say you become like a clandestine, a, you know, asset agent, right? Black ops, even. PSI ops, whatever you want to call it. What you need to remember is it doesn't matter if they figure out you work for the CIA or the NRO or whatever. It doesn't matter. The thing is, can they find out how you operate? Because the minute they find out your method, it's hackable, it's repeatable, and they can implement that method to other people that they've determined to be part of agencies, and then it's done. So today what we heard on NBC was them mitigating, gosh darn it, I think they may have figured it out. And here's what the governor tweeted out. Affidavits from a Jefferson County family who discovered the signature of their son has been forged at the polling place while he was away at college. That's number one. Number two, tabulated results from two counties. One of them got like 120 pounds. <laughs> That's what we've 120 pounds of absentee ballots, um, reflecting that the total number of votes counted for the governor's race was greater than the total number of ballots cast. And here's another one. A county had gotten like 3,000, like uh, 100 ballots in total. That means absentee and regular. But yet they counted like 3,400 votes. How you do that? Where'd you get the ballots from, man? I'm just saying because those weren't the e-machines. They were they were ballots. But I'll t- uh, be- be- let me just finish this bullet point. So voting data from one Kentucky county reflecting a dem- dramatic different voting pattern in the governor's race between votes cast on absentee ballots and votes 
votes cast at the polls. Video evidence of electronic both manipulation and the governor's race as broadcast on CNN on election night and other information about the security of Kentucky's vote count, which has statewide and national implications and, dare I say, national security concern. Because didn't they say, Russia, 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 Russia. Oh, our systems, Russia, Russia. Well, here we go. Why are we sending our tallies to be counted offshore, right? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? How is it safe when you can't trust another country? No, not trust even. They're not even obligated. Even if you put it in a contract, their country covers them. I have to tell you proprietary relationships that I may have with other companies that may or may not be Iranian, Chinese, Russian, whatever you want to call it. Hmm. So I'm really excited because this is the same method and pattern that we saw in Texas, that we saw, I saw it in North Dakota, you guys. I saw it in North Dakota and nobody said anything because they were all Republican. All of them. Most of them. Well, not all of them. <laughs> but it's like, we were supposed to have a Democrat Attorney General, we didn't get it. We were supposed to have an independent Secretary of State, we didn't get it. And unfortunately, we would have had, um, you know, uh, a lot more Democrats in like these other seats. And we didn't get it. Because they wanted their people in. And again, with Kentucky, looking at the statistics, looking at the numbers, I'm just telling you, the Secretary of State of Kentucky should have been the Democrat, according to the voters. And I'm telling you from processing the math. But regardless, the bottom line here, you know what the win is? Is that we found the method. We have enough to demand that they hand over their computers and servers. And the thing is, here's the funny thing. Are they really going to hand over computers and servers? that are in another country, what are the odds that this company has its server in the Ukraine? I just want to think about it. Even though it's based out of another country, so Seidel, Skittles, remember when, do you remember when uh, President Trump, you know, trolled Merkel with Skittles? Yeah. Skittle. S-C-Y-T-L. They bought out this big company called SEO Software just at 2012 when they figured out they had no more control after that. They needed to find ways to control us. They would beat us into submission with mass shootings. They would take away our guns because that's the fastest way to control you. But they did not succeed because they were not preemptive enough. See, good always... Trump's evil. So that's the way we go. We trump it like nobody's business. And here's the thing. They didn't preemptively do it, so they got stuck. That's basically what happened. But what they did was they allowed this merger. How do you allow a foreign company to buy one of the largest electronic voting software companies in the nation? I mean... You gotta cock your head and think, are these people retarded? Are they asking for us to be hacked? Are they trying to create the Russia collusion? Are you getting what I'm saying? And so this same company is running election that was barred out of the Philippines, which was also fixed, right? But one was fixing things better than the other. You know, Smartmatic was super George Soros. This one's got a light footprint because it's going through other avenues. I mean, it's I'm laughing because it's ridiculous. You know what's funny? Because the tables have turned. And right now, I could even picture Barack Hussein Obama sitting in a chair, his his elbow on his knee, fuming if he's listening to me. Mm, not like he is. But that's what I would picture because I'm laughing. Because it's our turn.
They can't stop what's coming. They can try to push the disinformation, but we push our, push our own disinformation, guys. We push our own. Why? Because it's necessary. Diversions, 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 diversions. Mm-hmm. Very necessary. So you have to think, you know, how many times, like, for example, the guy that tweeted that thing, why was he banned instantly? We didn't see his account. He was banned almost instantly. Why do you ban it so you can't trace it back? Twitter's going to give that to the federal investigators, right? Because, you know, the New York Times ran off of that one tweet that was only a picture, I'm just saying, how many times does something have to happen before you're like, all right, I'm done with these coincidences, man. Okay, I see it. I see it. I see it. It's been planned for a while. It was planned because you knew what the other plan was. So you wanted to mitigate the bad plan. I get it now. You were looking for the right person. I totally get it now. I mean, when do you say that to yourself with full, you know, just... Gusto and be like, dude, we're finally in control. Like, smile, you guys. We got this. It's like all over. <laughs> it's all over for them. And they have no idea that it's all over. Now, it's not going to happen from one day to another. I don't know about that, right? You can't. <laughs> you can't. You can't reinvent society. Well, no. Decondition? Uh, that's not a good word. How do you reverse things that they've done? You can't. You got to relearn things and unlearn things. So that's how it happens. All right. So enough about those election things. Enough about the Ukraine because the Ukraine's table. We need to look at this um, clown show and what they're telling you for real. Like Bill Taylor is telling you how Giuliani, it's all his fault. <laughs> the call of 725. But in fact, the interesting call is April 22nd, 2019, before Joe Biden threw his hat in the race. Remember, he didn't throw his hat in the race. So if he's talking about Joe Biden, you mean criminal investigation on citizen Biden because he wasn't running at the time and watch Hillary drop her hat so she doesn't get indicted. It's going to be too late, girlfriend, because that investigation started a long before you were flirting with it. And while they were you know, Frankensteining you together. So this is where we're at, you guys. We're going to listen to this full impeachment. You're going to listen to what they're really telling you. And you're going to see what fear looks like. Because that's exactly what I saw in Adam Schiff's opening statement. That's exactly what I heard at this NBC report, how they need to preemptively have someone there to check and squash anybody speaking up for irregularities and votes. I'll see you all in just a bit right after this short break. It's fun. Enjoy this day, guys. Best hump day ever. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So this is the second hour, and I want to start with a little, with a great speech our president gave us. Take a listen. About replacing a failed and corrupt 
political establishment with a new government controlled by you, the American people. The Washington establishment and the financial and media corporations that fund it exist for only one reason, to protect and enrich itself. Now, I've played this video how many times throughout the year, but we have to listen to it now because it'll all make sense. The establishment has trillions of dollars at stake in this election. For those who control the levers of power in Washington and for the global special interest, they partner with these people that don't have your good in mind. Our campaign represents a true existential threat like they haven't seen before. This is not simply another four-year election. This is a crossroads in the history of our civilization that will determine whether or not we, the people, reclaim over our government. The political establishment that is trying to stop us is the same group responsible for our disastrous trade deals, massive illegal immigration, and economic and foreign policies that have bled our country dry. The political establishment has brought about the destruction of our factories and our jobs as they flee to Mexico, China, and other countries all around the world. It's a global power structure that is responsible for the economic decisions that have robbed our working class, stripped our country of its wealth, and put that money into the pockets of a handful of large corporations and political entities. I just want to pause there so it makes sense. Large corporations and political entities are one in the same. They are coming for your assets. They don't care about the money. You give money power. If you think the dollar is worthless, then it's worthless. If you believe barter is better and tangible is better, then that is better. Again, they've given you this illusion, this illusion of what is uh, the reality, and it's shattering because they have no control. The media has lost control of the narrative because you are the news. You're the one that states it. And, you know, today when I had this video lined up to play again, I had a, f- a phone call um, at around 1030 with a friend of mine. And it was, again, you're lining that up again because they heard it in the background. And I was like, well, I think it's important for people sometimes you know how when you watch a movie you don't get it the first time around or when you watch it you get it you like the movie but then one day you're watching it again because there's nothing else on even though we have 900 channels and then you're like oh my gosh you know I didn't see it like that last time I saw it. You know this is why it's important for you to listen now with ears right ears while your eyes are open. This is a struggle for the survival of our nation. And this will be our last chance to save it. This election will determine whether we're a free nation or whether we have only the illusion of democracy, but are in fact controlled by a small handful of global special interests rigging the system, and our system is rigged. This is reality. You know it, they know it, I know it, and pretty much the whole world knows it. The Clinton machine is at the center of this power structure. We've seen this firsthand in the WikiLeaks documents in which Hillary Clinton meets in secret with international banks to plot the destruction of U.S. sovereignty. 
You mean like Amalgamated Bank and who WikiLeaks right now, his brain is melting under the hands of the European Union again, I say. Your biggest enemy is usually that jealous chick next to you, that jealous dude next to you that never liked you, but they're just around you. That's the European Union. We created them. We funded them. Well, we kind of spearheaded the funding and creation. We let Hitler happen. We let all that happen. And when I say we, I mean our nation run by these clowns. Because when criminals run a nation, innocent people fill the prisons. And what he was telling us was true. And what you see is 100% true. I mean, how can you dispute the facts? The minute he came into office, so many millions of people got off of welfare. So many more jobs were created. So many more nations have started respect. Us. How how much safer do you feel? I feel real safe. Don't let them trick you into, oh, we're losing because they're not arrested. It takes time. You cannot get rid of something this deeply embedded into a global system instantly. Listen to the video as I guide you through the portions that you now can see. You can see these things. Listen. In order to enrich these global financial powers, her special interest friends, and her donors. Honestly, she should be locked up. And she will. The most powerful weapon deployed by the Clintons is the corporate media, the press. Let's be clear on one thing. The corporate media in our country is no longer involved in journalism. They're a political special interest, no different than any lobbyist or other financial entity with a total political agenda. And the agenda is not for you. It's for themselves. Ah, can you see that now? I mean, even the clip this morning from MSNBC talking about the election fraud. Can you see it right now? Can you see what they focused on? And what was actually really going on and what we have come up with. What a young girl like Millie Weaver and just a talk show radio host like me that wrote articles under an assumed name and her name for years, just doing her little bit, what we've uncovered. Yet they sat there and targeted the most joke part, the one that triggers those that are mesmerized by their words, those have, that have been hypnotized by the media because they are one in the same. The corporations, the media, and the political establishment are one in the same. You know, when you're in a room, I've always said that, when you go in a room and everybody hates that one guy, everybody hates him, unless he's raped a kid, killed a kid, or shot someone dead in the head, which he could have had a valid, you know, um, justification in their own mind, you know, I would always give that, then you will have to automatically think, well, if everybody's attacking that person, that person must be doing something right. Because if you don't have enemies, you are not doing something important. Because it is your enemies, the minute they see you, those that are in power, those that claim to be gods, the minute they recognize you or you come on their radar, you are free game for them. Anyone who challenges their control is deemed a sexist, a racist, a xenophobe. They will lie, 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 and then again, they will do worse than that. They will do whatever is necessary. 
The Clintons are criminals. Remember that. This is well documented. And the establishment that protects them has engaged in a massive cover-up of widespread criminal activity at the State Department and the Clinton Foundation in order to keep the Clintons in power. They knew they would throw every lie they could at me and my family and my loved ones. They knew they would stop at nothing to try to stop me. Nevertheless, I take all of these slings and arrows gladly for you. I take them for our movement so that we can have our country back. I knew this day would arrive. It's only a question of when. And I knew the American people would rise above it and vote for the future they deserve. The only thing that can stop this corrupt machine is you. The only force strong enough to save our country is us. The only people brave enough to vote out this corrupt establishment is you, the American people. Our great civilization has come upon a moment of reckoning. I didn't need to do this, folks, believe me. I built a great company and I had a wonderful life. I could have enjoyed the fruits and benefits of years of successful business deals and businesses for myself and my family, instead of going through this absolute horror show of lies, deceptions, malicious attacks. Who would have thought? I'm doing it because this country has given me so much, and I feel so strongly that it's my turn to give back to the country that I love. I'm doing this for the people and for the movement, and we will take back this country for you, and we will make America great again. Now, he did that. He gave us our nation back. Look at us. Look at us. You. You're important. Your voice is important. What part of you are you doing? How many times did I say, why are we doing trains? We should be putting out information because they even said it's dangerous. Even if you have five followers, one person will see it and it'll spread like wildfire. Yes, it does, especially when it's for the good. And so now, as this faux impeachment is happening, uh, you know, this morning I was up early. I was looking at things. I was setting up my little video clips, what I wanted to play for you. I'm waiting for Erdogan to come. You know, it feels like a dead man walking when he's coming here because it's like, do we get him kicked out of NATO? Because that is the plan of the European Union. And that is every single ounce of every piece of evil on on within our borders and across the planet wants us to dispel Erdogan and I'd be the first one to say it, but it's not the right time. It is at this time that you hold your enemies the closest so they don't become bigger rogue enemies. At least you can control them when they're close. Mm. It's all about geopositioning. We have mutual defense agreements in order. We're trying to penetrate the Ukraine. And if you think for one second that the Ukraine is cooperating, that Zelensky is cooperating. You are nuts. That guy won with a 75% vote chance. He is one of them. Are you understanding that? I'm just going to make it as clear as possible. He is one of them. So we are now in the lion's den where the lion sits but has what? 
people working for him that think that they're really doing good, people working for him that are revolting against him without his knowledge. He just signed to move all his military to the European army. No one is paying attention. We think the Ukraine is on our side. No, but we've given them nothing to say about us wrongfully. It's all these idiots and these clowns and that idiot shift who was trained so well by the CIA. And again, in order for you to be an agent, you got to be real dumb. There's like a cutoff point on who they take into that agency. You can't be too smart in that specific agency because then you outsmart them, and that's dangerous. That's how you get double, triple, quadruple agents, okay, that have many allegiances. So it's very, very difficult to find unicorns that can play the right role for their nation and go forward and back into to time so that they can remedy and tweak. Schiff is an idiot. And his proof was in the pudding when he retried a guy and made everyone believe that he was a Russian agent and sent him to jail. That was his proof. And that is how he established his career by putting an innocent man behind bars way before my time. Nonetheless, innocent and known and tainted as an agent. That is the man that is holding the torch for these faux impeachment proceedings. Now, before we um, get to that, I want to play a clip. If we'll I be suspended that. until after the witnesses. Right, thank you, Mr. Sure. Mr. Chairman, do you, do you anticipate when we would vote what on purpose that? does Mr. Jordan seek recognition? Just to ask a, a clarifying question, do you anticipate when we might vote on the ability to have the whistleblower in front of us, something you... Of the 435 members of Congress, you are the only member who knows who that individual is, and your staff is the only staff of any member of Congress who's had a chance to talk with that individual. We would like that opportunity. When might that happen in this proceeding today? First, as the gentleman knows, that's a false statement. I do not know the identity of the whistleblower, and I'm determined to make sure that identity is protected. But as I said to Mr. Conaway, you will have an opportunity after the witnesses testify to make a motion to subpoena any witness and compel a vote. Uh, and with that, and that was uncomfortable. Did he just admit that he doesn't know under oath? And that's probably because he doesn't because there is no whistleblower. I mean, it's obviously clear there is no whistleblower. There is zero whistleblower. And I think Jim Jordan may have gotten my packet. I hope because they have gatekeepers. I've sent documents, so just why I'm saying gatekeepers. I sent documents to someone that I know that works for a specific senator or congressperson, and I know them. And I told them when it is arriving and when it's being signed for. They saw it, but it disappeared. See, gatekeepers know what to do with things. Obviously, I'm not going to put very important information, but maybe he did get my packet, you know, masked as a Thanksgiving card. I'm just saying. Because there is no whistleblower, and when we see it, we'll see it. You know, remember, Mark Zeid, who does he work with? Whistleblowers. Who else did he work with? Daniel Jones. I'm just going to say, like... This concoction, 
is getting very interesting. And even though everybody wants to paint that target on Eric Ciaramella, ever thought that that name was maybe uh, rounded and thrown in there to create the face? It's kind of like, you know, how we see God. Sometimes, you know, you want to put a face to the name or you want to put the face to the person, uh, you know, doing things, right? This is one of those. Disinformation is important and maybe we did it so that we can cause a stir. It is so much fun. You guys, I hope you're laughing because it is really, really, um, it's going to be fun. Let's just, let's just say it's fun. You know why? Because no matter how much control they've had over the past 200 years, they've had a lot of control over 200 years. You guys, they've had so much control. They've known every step of the way of what is going on and how it's going on. And what's important that we remember, okay, what we remember is no matter how much power evil may seem to have, greed always overcomes their ability to savor it. And this is exactly what we're seeing here. Today and tomorrow are going to be pretty explosive for the deep state. They're going to be very interesting to see how it comes out. And, you know, for someone that tells you, you know, you never know, I might be a time traveler. I can tell you it's the best to see it second time around a victory lap. Nonetheless, though, with caution. Because where is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you guys? I just wanted to say, where is Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Because it's all going to come down in a snowball effect. We got, where's Ruth? Jimmy Carter. Where's the whistleblower? Erdogan's in town. Oh, election fraud. Darn. Which fire are they going to put out first? And how are they going to make sure you don't see it? How are they going to make sure you don't see it? It's going to be interesting. Disinformation is necessary. Maybe the Ruth Bader Ginsburg card was on purpose to say, oh, we know. Where is she? Maybe she, well, no, she already pulled the cancer card. So maybe she's sick after the cancer. Maybe she's got like some cold or some flu or something, you know. (laughs) It's going to be so much fun because they're trapped. They are totally, totally trapped. They have nowhere to go. It's, I mean, come on, guys. Think about it. Okay. So let's listen. Oh, do I really want to let's listen to Adam Schiff's opening statement quickly, just part of it before the break. Says of the committee at any time, there is a quorum present. Here's how the committee will proceed for this hearing. I will make an opening statement, and then Ranking Member Nunez will have the opportunity to make a statement. Then we will go to witness statements and then to questions. For audience members, we welcome you, and we respect your interest in being here. In turn, we ask for your respect as we proceed with today's hearing. Mr. Chairman. It is the intention of the committee to proceed without disruption. Mr. Chairman, may I make a parliamentary inquiry? Chairman, will state the inquiry. Um, Mr. Chairman, uh, this is our first hearing under these new set of rules. Um, House Resolution 660 uh, gives you the discretion uh, to allow yourself and the ranking member periods of extended questions of up to 45 minutes each before other members are allowed to um, ask questions. If possible, 
Um, we'd like to know the rules of engagement before we get started. Have you made a decision yet as to how many 45-minute rounds uh, you will allow yourself and the ranking member? Uh, I have not. Uh, as we informed the minority uh, yesterday, we will see how the first period goes and how much material we're able to get through. At that point, the chair will announce the period, if there is a period of the second round, which may be up to 45 minutes, uh, or we'll go straight to five-minute questions by members. For audience members, again, we welcome you uh, and your interest. Uh, in turn, we expect and will uh, insist on decorum in the committee. As chairman, I'll take all necessary and appropriate steps to maintain order and ensure the committee is run in accordance with House Rules and House Resolution 660. With that, I now recognize myself to give an opening statement in the impeachment inquiry into Donald J. Trump, the 45th President of the United States. Okay, so George Kent was sitting there with a bow tie looking really happy and smirky. And now we're going to listen to this beginning of opening statements because all of you grab your, what are the sick bags that we have? There's like a special word for those throw-up bags they have on the back of the planes. Whatever, it's not doggy bag, (laughs) but I always call them doggy bags. Yeah, grab one of those bags, you're going to get sick. In 2014... Russia invaded the United States ally, Ukraine, to reverse that nation's embrace of the West and to fulfill Vladimir Putin's desire to rebuild a Russian empire. In the following years, 14,000 Ukrainians died as they battled superior Russian forces. Earlier this year, Vladimir Zelensky was elected president of Ukraine on a platform of ending the conflict and tackling corruption. He was a newcomer to politics and immediately sought to establish a relationship with Ukraine's most powerful patron, the United States. The questions presented by this impeachment inquiry are whether President Trump sought to exploit that ally's vulnerability and invite Ukraine's interference in our elections. Wait a minute. So now, <laughs> wait, stop. Stop the press. Get your, um, and thank you, Kathleen, your air sickness bag ready. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Like, this is even like super happen. Like, come on, you guys. Let's be serious. Let's be serious. So now it's not Russia. He, <laughs> he invited the Ukraine. OK, so he invited the Ukraine, even though reports concluded reports done by the whistleblower um, king and even by their own rat. Rosenstein, that <laughs> the Ukrainian officials tried to help Hillary Clinton <laughs> and undermine Trump. But wait a minute. It's not Russia anymore. It's the, it's the Ukraine. This is, oh my gosh, what do they call these? Tragedies. That's what it is. This is the tragedy. You know, there's always a comical aspect to a tragedy if you read Greek tragedies. There's got to be a chorus. Oh, I don't any, I don't have any lined up audio for like, that should be the chorus. Whether President Trump sought to condition official acts, such as a White House meeting or U.S. military assistance on Ukraine's willingness to assist with two political investigations that would help his reelection campaign. And if President Trump did either, whether such an abuse of his power is compatible with the office of the presidency. The matter is as simple and as terrible as that. Our answer to these questions will affect not only the future of this presidency, 
but the future of the presidency itself and what kind of conduct or misconduct the American people may come to expect from their commander-in-chief. There are few actions as consequential as the impeachment of a president. While the founders did not intend that impeachment be employed for mere differences over policy, they also made impeachment a constitutional process that the Congress must utilize as necessary. The facts in the present inquiry are not seriously contested. They're not contested. They all lied. They all lied. And Yovanovitch admitted to, you know, a crime, creating uh, herself, uh, you know, what did she self-appointed herself as gatekeeper for the Department of Justice when she reports to the State Department. Shut up, Schiff. I'm getting sick. Thank God it's a break. I can't listen to this anymore, can you? It's so sick, so sick. We'll talk right after this break. And listen to some corrupt Bill Taylor telling us how we should be running foreign policy. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Uh, this is the last half hour. We're going to listen to a bit of these faux impeachment testimonies. I'll fast forward through the super rubbish, but I'll make sure that I annotate the really good rubbish, the stuff that will make us chuckle. Um, so this is rubbish. Even the New York Post put out an article saying, even though it's public, it's still stupid. So, yes, it is. Um, so we're going to listen to that a little bit. Uh, I can't wait to see this Erdogan thing. I need to sit on it and read the room, too. I've got eyes all over that. But what I wanted um, to say is, first, I want to listen to Nunez's opening, sort of opening statement, you know, that he says after Shifty Shift. Oh, Shift, you're in so much trouble soon. ...is to defy subpoenas and refuse to appear. And he has suggested that those who do expose wrongdoing should be treated like traitors and spies. Oh, you mean like Vinman. Hold on. Let's fast forward. He's still talking rubbish. It makes me sick. Vinman, before he even went in to testify, didn't I tell you he's going to get done for treason? I mean, come on, man. You can't have two masters, can you? And yet now, here we are. We're supposed to take these people at face value when they trot out a new batch of allegations. But anyone familiar with the Democrats' scorched earth war against President Trump would not be surprised to see all the typical signs that this is a carefully orchestrated media smear campaign. For example, after vowing publicly that impeachment requires bipartisan support, Democrats are pushing impeachment forward without the backing of a single Republican. The witnesses deemed suitable for television by the Democrats were put through a closed-door audition process in a cult-like atmosphere in the basement of the Capitol, where Democrats conducted secret depositions, released a flood of misleading... Just so you know, Kent is smirking, and his bow tie is crooked. Taylor's not impressed, and the cameraman in the back is folding his arms. I just wanted to to give you the picture that I'm looking at. ...leading in one-sided leaks, and later selectively released transcripts in a highly staged manner. Violating their own guidelines, Democrats repeatedly redacted from the transcripts the name of Alexander Chalupa, a contractor for the Democratic National Committee, 
who worked with Ukrainian officials to collect dirt on the Trump campaign, which she provided to the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign. But, you know, Trump employed the Ukraine after Russia, or was it both of them at the same time, even though they're mortal enemies right now? I'm sorry, I just can't. This is hilarious. You guys should all be laughing because if you laugh, you minimize. This is, you know, the more you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're going to let them get away with it. It's like telling someone that, you know, has the mentality of a four-year-old to not run around the backyard because they might trip. Let them trip. Then they'll stop running. Democrats rejected most of the Republicans' witness requests, resulting in a horrifically one-sided process where the crucial witnesses are denied a platform if their testimony does not support the Democrats' absurd accusations. Notably, they are trying to impeach the president for inquiring about Hunter Biden's activities. Yet they refuse our request to hear from Biden himself. The whistleblower was acknowledged to have a bias against President Trump, and his attorney touted a coup against the president and called for his impeachment just weeks after the election. At a prior hearing, Democrats on this committee read out a purely fictitious rendition of the president's phone call with President Zelensky. They clearly found the real conversation to be insufficient for their impeachment narrative, so they just made up a new one. Yeah, because we already knew. And most egregiously, the staff of the Democrats on this committee had direct discussions with the whistleblower before his or her complaint was submitted to the inspector general. But they don't know the identity. Republicans can't get a full account of these contacts because Democrats broke their promise to have the whistleblower testify to this committee. Because they don't know who he is. Democrat members hid these contacts from Republicans and then lied about them to the American people Oops. on national Where's Ruth television. Bader Ginsburg? RBG, where you at? Before, the Democrats have a long habit of accusing Republicans of offenses they themselves our committee. Let's recall, for years they accused the Trump campaign of colluding with Russia when they themselves were colluding with Russia by funding and spreading the Steele dossier which relied on Russian sources. And now they accuse President Trump of malfeasance in Ukraine when they themselves are culpable. The Democrats cooperated in Ukrainian election meddling and they defend Hunter Biden's securing of a lavishly paid position with a corrupt Ukrainian company, all while his father served as vice president. Despite this hypocrisy, the Democrats are advancing their impeachment sham. But we should not hold any hearings at all until we get answers to three crucial questions the Democrats are determined to avoid asking. First, what is the full extent of the Democrats' prior coordination with the whistleblower? And who else did the whistleblower coordinate this effort with? Second, what is the full extent of Ukraine's election meddling against the Trump campaign? And third, why did Burisma hire Hunter Biden? And what did he do for them? And did his position affect any U.S. government actions under the Obama administration? These questions will remain outstanding because Republicans were denied the right to call witnesses that know these answers. What we will witness today is a televised theatrical performance staged by the Democrats. Ambassador Taylor and Mr. Kent, I'd like to welcome you here. 
I'd like to congratulate you for passing the Democrat Star Chamber editions held for the last weeks in the basement of the Capitol. It seems you agreed, witting or unwittingly, to participate in a drama. But the main performance, the Russia hoax, has ended, and you've been cast in the low-rent Ukrainian sequel. I'll conclude by noting the immense damage <laughs> it's the beta version. bureaucracy has done to Americans' faith in government. Though executive branch employees are charged with implementing the policy set by our president, who is elected and responsible to the American people, elements of the civil service have decided that they, not the president, are really in charge. Thus, as we'll learn in these hearings, after expressing skepticism of foreign aid and concern about foreign corruption on the campaign trail, President Trump outraged the bureaucracy by acting skeptically about foreign aid and expressing concerns about foreign corruption. Officials' alarm at the president's actions was typically based on second-hand, third-hand, and even fourth-hand rumors and innuendo. They believed it was an outrage for the president to fire an ambassador, even though the president has full authority to retain or remove diplomats for any reason at any time. Officials showed the surprising lack of interest in the indications of Ukrainian election meddling that deeply concerned the president at whose pleasure they serve. Despite all their dissatisfaction with President Trump's Ukraine policy, the president approved the supply of weapons to Ukraine, unlike the previous administration, which provided blankets as defense against invading Russians. By undermining the president, who they are supposed to be serving, the elements of the FBI, the Department of Justice, and now the State Department, have lost the confidence of millions of Americans who believe that their vote should count for something. It will take years, if not decades, to restore faith in these institutions. This spectacle is doing great damage to our country. It's nothing more than an impeachment process in search of a crime. That I yield back. Here, here. Yeah, that was awesome. Today we are joined by Ambassador William Taylor and Deputy Assistant Secretary of State George Kent, both of whom are appearing under subpoena. Ambassador William Taylor has served our country for over half a century. He attended U.S. Military Academy at West Point. We don't care. Graduating in the top nobody 1% cares. of his class. Protections came from the Russians. Okay, so nobody cares about your achievements because we had the president of the United States, uh, Barack Hussein Obama, which is the highest office you can have in the land, and attempted to usurp. Uh, there we go. Here we go. Without objection, your written statements will be made part of the record. Uh, and with that, uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary Kent, you are recognized for your opening statement. Ambassador Taylor, you were recognized immediately thereafter for your opening statement. Good morning. My name is George Kent, and I am the Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Eastern Europe and the Caucasus. I have served proudly as a nonpartisan career foreign service officer for more than 27 years you can't. under five so presidents, three Republican and two Democrat. As I mentioned in my opening comments last month in the closed-door deposition, I represent the third generation of my family to have chosen a career in public service 
and sworn the oath of office that all U.S. public servants do in defense of our Constitution. Indeed, there has been a George Kent sworn to defend the Constitution continuously for nearly 60 years, ever since my father reported to Annapolis for his plebe summer. After graduating first in his Naval Academy class in 1965, the year best known for his Heisman-winning classmate Roger Stahlbeck, my father served a full honorable 30 years, including as a captain of a nuclear ballistic missile submarine during the height of the Cold War. Five great uncles served honorably in the Navy and the Army in World War II. In particular, Tom Taggart was stationed in the Philippines at the time of the attack on Pearl Harbor. He survived the brutal Bataan Death March and three and a half years in a Japanese prisoner of war camp, unbroken. He returned to oh service gosh, as on. an Air Let Force judge. Brain would continue, and that he would support me in defending that policy. Mm. With that understanding, I agreed to go back to Kiev. Because I was appointed by the Secretary, but not reconfirmed by the Senate, my official position was charge d'affaires ad interim. In effect, I was the acting ambassador to Ukraine. I returned to Kiev on June 17th, carrying the original copy of a letter President Trump signed the day after I met with the Secretary. In that letter, President Trump congratulated President Zelensky on his election victory and invited him to a meeting in the Oval Office. Swallowell looks really upset. Okay, so he sent the letter in June, but he called him on April 22nd. Once I arrived in Kiev, I discovered a weird combination of encouraging, confusing, and ultimately alarming circumstances. First, the encouraging. President Zelensky was reforming Ukraine in a hurry. He appointed reformist ministers and supported long-stalled anti-corruption legislation. He took quick executive action, including opening Ukraine's high anti-corruption court. With a new parliamentary majority stemming from snap elections, President Zelensky changed the Ukrainian constitution to remove absolute immunity from RADA deputies, the source of raw corruption for two decades. The excitement in Kyiv was palpable. This time could be different, a new Ukraine finally breaking from its corrupt post-Soviet past. And yet, I found a confusing and unusual arrangement for making U.S. policy toward Ukraine. There appeared to be two channels of U.S. policymaking and implementation, one regular and one highly irregular. As the acting ambassador, I had authority over the regular, formal diplomatic processes, including the bulk of the U.S. effort to support Ukraine against Russian invasion and to help it defeat corruption. My colleague, Deputy Assistant Secretary of State George Kent, and our colleagues at the National Security Council were my main points of contact in Washington in this regular channel. This channel is formally responsible for formulating and overseeing the implementation of U.S. foreign policy with respect to Ukraine, a policy that has consistently enjoyed strong bipartisan support, both in Congress and in all administrations since Ukraine's independence from Russia in 1991. At the same time, however, I encountered an irregular, informal channel of U.S. policymaking with respect to Ukraine, unaccountable to Congress, a channel that included then-Special Envoy Kurt Volker, U.S. Ambassador to the European Union Gordon Sondland, Secretary of Energy Rick Perry, White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, and, as I subsequently learned, Mr. Giuliani. 
<laughs> I was clearly. He like threw in both the teams under one statement. This is so ridiculous. Guys, this is such a sham. I just, I, I just can't. Okay. So I'm going to go to the texts of, um, him. Let me just skip over. You got to listen to this. Come on, Shiffy. Are difficult. Ukrainians would like to be able to negotiate from a from a position of strength, or at least more strength than they now have. Part of that strength, part of the ability of the Ukrainians to negotiate against the Russians, with the Russians for for an end to the war in Donbas, depends on United States and other international support. If we withdraw or suspend or or threaten to withdraw our security assistance, that's a message to the Ukrainians, but it's at least as important as your question indicates, Mr. Chairman, to the Russians who are looking for any sign of weakness or any sign that we are withdrawing our support for Ukraine. And so when the Ukrainians learned of the suspension of the military aid, either privately or when others learned publicly, the Russians would be learning also. And they would take that as a lack of robust U.S. support for Ukraine. Is that right? That's correct, sir. Uh, and that would weaken Ukraine in negotiating an end to the war uh, in Donbass. It would. Um, people watching, I'm sure, are interested in how military assistance and diplomatic support for Ukraine affects Ukraine. but even more so interested in how does this affect our national security. Uh, now, I, I think you said that uh, if we believe in a principle of sovereignty of nations where countries get to determine their own economic, political, and security alliances, we have to support Ukraine and its fight, uh, that the kind of aggression we see by Russia can't stand. Um, how is it important to American national security that we provide for a robust defense of Ukraine's sovereignty. Mr. Chairman, as, as my colleague, uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary George Kent, described, we have a national security policy, a national defense policy that identifies Russia and China um, as adversaries. The Russians are violating all of the rules treaties, understandings that they committed to that actually kept the peace in Europe for nearly 70 years. Until they invaded Ukraine in 2014, they had abided by sovereignty of, of, sovereignty of nations, of, of inviolability of borders. That rule of law, that order that kept the peace in Europe and allowed for prosperity as well as peace in Europe, was violated by the Russians. And if we don't push back on that, on those violations, then that will continue. And oh, so we should just care what happens to everybody else. Dude, hey, Bill Taylor, I'm not the acting ambassador of the Ukraine, and I could tell you this for a fact. You too, shifty shift. It's an America first policy. America first policy. And it's none of our business. He's not the president of the world. He's the president of the United States. And if Russia's having at it with the Ukraine, let him have at it. If the Europeans need help, let them help themselves. They got big mouths, big mouths and big opinions and really small people running the country.
I mean, I'm just saying, Bill Taylor, you need to keep yourself in check. Stay in your lane. You are an acting ambassador for now. Included a phone call. And so there were several conversations about how to have this phone call that eventually happened on July 25th. And you described in your opening statement a a July 10th White House meeting with a number of officials where Ambassador Bolton used the term that uh, something was a drug deal. What did you understand him to mean uh, in hearing that he said that, uh, used this term drug deal? Ms. Gomer, I don't know. I, I don't know what Ambassador Bolton had in mind. And was that in reference to a discussion uh, in that meeting related to the White House meeting that President Zelensky wanted and in connection to the investigations? The context of that comment um, was the discussion that Mr. Donny Luke, who was Mr. Bolton's counterpart, Ukrainian counterpart, the National Security Advisor, had had with Mr. Bolton. And that conversation was very substantive up until the point um, where the White House meeting was raised and Mr. Ambassador Sondland intervened to talk about the investigations. It was at that point that Ambassador Bolton ceased the meeting, closed the meeting, finished the meeting, um, and told his staff to report this meeting to the lawyers. And he also later then uh, indicated to Fiona Hill, who was also a participant his, uh, on NSC staff, that he, he, Ambassador Bolton, didn't want to be associated with this drug deal. So it was, in, the implication was it was the, the, the domestic politics um, that was being cooked up. And did Ambassador Sondland say this in front of the Ukrainian officials, to your understanding? Ambassador Sondland, in the meeting where Ambassador Bolton was having a conversation with his counterpart, raised the issue of investigations um, being important to come before the White House meeting that had just been raised. So what he's saying is Bolton was sitting there. They're sitting there chit-chatting. All right, policy, 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 policy. Talk about energy policy, policy, policy. And then Sondland comes out like a fart unexpectedly at a dinner table. Says, yo, what's going on with the Biden investigation? We got any dirt? And then Bolton's like, all right, meeting's over. See ya. And send the transcripts of this meeting out to the lawyers. Thanks, bye. That's what happened. So not to (laughs) dilly-dally. Can we all guess what role Sondland played? Let's just guess. All right, then. Let's continue. We're going into documents because this is Daniel Goldman. He's the counsel for the Democrats, so he's not even a congressperson asking the questions. was a date and a confirmation that he could come to Washington. Obviously, you can't put yourself in the mind, but if the Ukrainian president for a country that's so dependent on the United States uh, for, for all you things, mean the European Union assistance, is uh, requested to do a favor. How do you think the Ukrainians would interpret that? Well, if you uh, go further into the call record as part of this, and we don't have it on screen, but to the best of my re- recollection, reading it after it was released in September 25th, President Zelensky went into uh, having whatever your problems were. That was the old team. I've got a new team. 
and we will do whatever is appropriate uh, and be transparent and honest about it. I, I don't remember the exact words, but uh, he was trying to be. Isn't that funny uh, how memory works? Response, be responsive uh, to uh, conduct uh, the business of Ukrainian government in a transparent and honest manner. <laughs> Isn't that funny how he has selective memory and it's not even accurate? It's kind of like a shift memory, like a shift opening statement, like a shift talking about the transcript that, you know, didn't say any of that. Now, when he talks about the. Hold on. Let's fast forward a little bit. Hold on. I'm trying to get. Committees. There we go. I want to go to Nunes to close this off. Let's listen to him. President Trump is dramatically different from their nefarious depiction of it. What it actually shows is a pleasant exchange between two leaders who discuss mutual cooperation over a range of issues. The Democrats claim this call demonstrates extortion, bribery, and a host of other monstrous crimes being committed against President Zelensky. Extortion. Didn't Yet I President say that Zelensky word? President Zelensky himself mm-hmm. insists there was nothing improper whatsoever about the conversation. He knows better. Indeed, the routine nature of the call helps to explain why in this committee's Last public hearing, Democrats recited a fictitious version of the call instead of reading the actual transcript. The Democrats depicted the president saying, quote, I want you to make up dirt on my political opponent. Understand? (laughs) Lots of it. On this and on that. Unquote. The transcript did not show President Trump saying anything remotely like that. The president did not ask Ukraine to make up dirt on anyone. But the Democrats are not trying to discover facts. They're trying to invent a narrative. And if the facts they need do not exist, then they'll just make it up. And here is where we go to the end of the show. And I want you guys to keep your eye out on my Twitter feed and on my Facebook page. I'm going to post the link of the live YouTube video where Millie is streaming the Kentucky governor and the, the announcement in regards to election fraud. Now, keep this in mind. They are spitting lies. They are creating narratives because they have no leg to stand on. And it's up to you to give it the power. You have no power over me. We've named the demon. Now it's your turn to laugh in its face and say you really think this is going to fly it ain't and call it out that's not important let's see what develops with Turkey's president that'll be really interesting to see you guys because tomorrow we've got the secretary general of NATO and guess who he's speaking with on Friday so tomorrow I'll see you all here same time same place God bless from everyone here at Red Sea Talk Radio